Greater Santon and beyond. Get ready for the Santon Times Hour with your host, Alexander. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between and beyond, this is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and also available on all good podcast platforms. I'm Alexander Leibner and this is edition 120. It's week 26 of 2023 and it's one more time for June and then we're well into July. I'm excited to be with you again, and it's always a pleasure to do this with you every single week. If you'd like to get in touch, you can send through your questions, your comments, or your feedback. Uh, you can do so using the email address, editor at santantimes.ca.today, or you can connect on social media at Santantimes, or visit the website www.santantimes.co.za. And if you're listening live on Mix 93.8 and not on the podcast at a later stage, well, you can use the WhatsApp line right now. It's open 084-822-0938. That's 084-822-0938. A special welcome to everyone listening in Gauteng, if you're in Johannesburg, Pretoria, or anywhere else in the province. Also, if you're across South Africa, somewhere in the world, or wherever else you might be catching this, if it's online, if it's on air, I'm happy to report that all is well in Santanland. And I'm joined once more by my man behind the mixing desk, uh, Vincenzo. And yes, Vincenzo, I'm back in one piece uh, from Sun City. I had a great weekend uh, hosting the All Africa Business Leader Awards. They've been doing it for 11 years, and I was doing that uh, alongside Fifi Peters, a very well-known award-winning financial journalist, and also Terri-Ann Chibet um, from East Africa. She's from Nairobi, Kenya, also massive on social media, massive uh, media lady. Uh, from the from East Africa, it was great to be with her. Uh, we were doing this all uh, for CNBC Africa. They hosted this event, and uh, let me tell you, some of the wealthiest and most successful African business leaders on the continent in one room. It was quite tremendous. I think, especially after uh, you know COVID and the pandemic, we had two-time Grammy uh, award-winning Wota Kellerman, who was there. He performed, so it was overall. I think it was a superb weekend. And well done to also all the winners on the night who walked away with uh, their trophies and that recognition. Also last week, I had a chance to try out the night spa at the Indaba Hotel in Four Ways. Haven't been there in such a long time. But let me tell you what a treat. Uh, if you haven't done it yet, it's a great way to finish off a day or even a week. And, uh, you know, they do a dinner. There's a couple of spa treatments. It's all heated. So especially in winter, it's nice to get into a nice crisp room. And uh, it was a toasty. It's a toasty room. That's the one we want. Um, and uh, if you want to go all out, you can also obviously sleep there and you can do breakfast the next day. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just good stuff. Totally unrelated, uh, Vincenzo, but I don't know if you, have you been getting a lot of these spam emails about uh, courier or postal stuff that's been sent to you and you're supposed to click on a link or send some uh, something to them? I mean, honestly, it's becoming ridiculous, these SMSs and these emails. And uh, the best 
part is that I actually haven't used the post office in such a long time. I mean, I can't actually remember when's the last time I actually sent something through the post office or collected something through the post office. And I guess the scamsters just aren't doing their research here. <laughs> I'd love to know if you're getting the same messages and if you too also haven't been using the post office and you must seem so ridiculous to get this and uh, knowing that you full well haven't even been close to a post office. Anyway, coming up on this week's show, if you are into the outdoors, if you enjoy hiking, well, you might not be familiar with a gorgeous trail on the east coast of South Africa. There's more of that coming up shortly. Then uh, how have you been sleeping lately? Uh, if it hasn't been great, I'm going to be catching up with a sleep expert who has some simple and hot tips to improve your sleep. More to come on that. And then after that, there's a new burger champion in South Africa, and I'll be finding out what it takes to have the best buns and patties in town. So stay tuned. And finally, I wrap up the hour with a look at improving family time with your kids. This and more is all coming up in the next hour. But uh, it's the best of talk and music uh, on the Santon Times Hour. So let's kick things off with the latter. Show some love. Subscribe. Share. Leave a review and rating for the Santon Times Hour. On your favorite podcast app now. The latest news. The biggest names. The best destinations. The hottest entertainment. This is the Santon Times Hour. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 with Mount and MD and uh, a new take on Venus, which I think is very catchy. It's time to take a look at your headlines for this week. So my broadband reports, ESCOM piloted the load-limiting project in Foyers this past weekend. And according to this piece, uh, trialing ESCOM's load-limiting measures during Stage 1 to Stage 4 load shedding means allowing users to keep lights, TVs, and other appliances on during the lower stages of load shedding, depending on their ability to reduce consumption. Now, the pilot focused on select customers with smart meters, and uh, load limiting through smart meters is part of the demand-side management initiatives to manage and optimize electricity consumption to better balance the supply and demand of electricity on the grid during stages one to four of load shelling. And uh, pilot areas included uh, Beverly, Lone Hill, Craighaven, Machalisich, Danefern Valley, Witkoppen, Fourways, and Douglasdale. So as far as I understand this, from how it works is that if you've got a smart meter you get uh, I think up to four SMSs uh, telling you that load shedding is about to happen you need to reduce your consumption to a certain level if you don't reduce your consumption to a certain level so switching off kettles and geezers and whatever else uh, you will get load shedding so you get to, you get to be part of this as is everybody else or if you do manage to reduce consumption then you get to have electricity for certain things in the house and this is all done via technology. I mean, as I say, it's a pilot now, so I think we're going to start getting to know this a little bit better as it starts rolling out uh, a little bit further. But if you have trialed this, if you're in any of those areas, if you were one of those weekend uh, warriors having to uh, understand this and having to uh, actually go through this, uh, please uh, share your uh, your experiences. I would like to hear from you. Uh, how did it go? Uh, does it work? Is it a possible interim solution to making load shedding a little bit more bearable? Be quite fascinated. Then, are you a great dad? And uh, do you think you deserve an award for being a great dad? Well, uh, I see that the nominations for the Daddy Awards South Africa are open. And uh, there are categories which include Single Daddy of the Year, Non-Resident Daddy of the Year, Unemployed Daddy of the Year, 
and Special Needs Daddy of the Year. And I'm, I'm being dead serious. This is an actual award that is uh, being created by a gentleman who lives in four ways. And uh, the website states, this competition is about celebrating and encouraging dads and all father figures that help contribute to their kids' families and broader society. So a good course. I mean, we all need good dads in our lives and we need good dads in society. So here's someone who's come up with an award that will celebrate those people. The overall daddy of the year, well, he will win 20,000 rand and obviously the title of uh, Daddy of the Year, and uh, the winners will be announced at a virtual awards ceremony on October 21st. So if you want to nominate your dad, or you know a dad that deserves nomination, the details are up on the website there, daddyawardssouthafrica.co.za. Let's leave it right there for this week. If you enjoy the great outdoors or have been looking for a new physical challenge or soulful experience, maybe the Wild Coast has something for you. I chat to founder of Wild Child Africa, Matt Buerter, home to the Pondo Trail right after the break. Connect with the Santon Times. Email editor at santontimes.co.za. The best of Santon and beyond. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and also available on all good podcast platforms. And as we get the hour going for this week, uh, we kind of go into one of my passions. I enjoy mountaineering, I enjoy hiking, and I enjoy all these things. And when you start digging into some of the into the opportunities that we have in South Africa, they are vast. I mean, there's some incredible hiking you can do, there's some incredible mountain climbing you can do, and of course, when you start going into the rest of Africa, well, then, you know, the uh, the world's your oyster. But closer to home, uh, I came across this uh, fascinating stretch of South Africa where you can do the most remarkable a hike, if that's uh, something that you enjoy, you can kind of take a, a week or so and and sort of get to take in all the natural uh, spectacle that South Africa has to offer. And joining me on the line to chat about this and more is Matt Buerter. He's the founder of Wild Child Africa. And uh, Matt, it's so great to have you on the Santon Times Hour. Thanks, Alex. It's a privilege to be here. Thanks for, for allowing us on, man. Talk to us about the Pondo and the Pondo Trail. Where in South Africa would we find this? The, the wild coast, the stretch of coastline that sort of is the eastern border of the area formerly known as the Transkei. So the wild coast runs from the Mtomvuna River in the north all the way to the Kai River in the south, which is about a 311-kilometer stretch of coastline. So it, it's a kind of big chunk to bite off. Um, and a lot of people just know the wild coast as the wild coast, but they don't understand how big it is. Um, and the northern stretch of the Wild Coast, so call it the northern 100 kilometers of the Wild Coast, is known as Ponderland. And that's where you would find our trail. We start just south of Tomvuna River and finish just north of Port St. John's. So along that, uh, the Ponderland stretch of coastline. So for those who enjoy, uh, you know, expeditions, who enjoy kind of a hike or something, doing something on the outdoors, people know the Fisher River Canyon, people know the Otter Trail. Uh, how does the Pondo fit into that sort of list of, of remarkable sort of adventures that people can can undertake in Southern Africa? It's a remarkable adventure. Um, we, we, we seldom refer to our trail as a hike. We almost find that uh, hiking is an incredible sport, but hiking obviously sometimes sort of starts at A and ends at B, where we feel that the real magic um, is in between A and B. So we, we call it an adventure rather. We touch on many different aspects. It's not just sort of starting at A and, and finishing at B. So there's um, an array of of things from geography to history to the fauna to flora to learning to harvest the culture of the people 
as well as the the truly magnificent scenery that you'd see along the way. So yeah, it's it's an adventure. It is challenging, but it's a lot more of a a spiritual and intellectual journey than just just putting your boots on and walking. Well, take us through that. I mean, is it heavily organized? I mean, do I just rock up there with my backpack and everything else is taken care of, or do I need to pack everything with me and sort of mule my way through uh, through through the through the adventure and sort of set up camp and I mean, we're all used to now switching on gas lamps and and candles, so yeah. we're pretty good at that now. But I mean, is it is it something? Is it a bit more adventurous like that? So the wild coast is, and especially Ponderland, is is very challenging from a logistical uh, point of view. That's historically why the pristine. It's just it's really difficult to get to, and it's difficult to manage yourself along the way. So we realised that, and we've kind of taken the hardship away from that. So there's a hell of a lot happening in the background. We've got a big team that works from camp to camp, driving bags and and setting up. We take care of all of that. You're just traveling light with your day pack and we're providing meals along the way. All of your meals are included, your bedding, um, all of your alcoholic beverages and cool drinks and snacks along the way. And then we've got highly qualified guides that will lead each trail, primarily from a safety point of view, because there are a lot of river crossings. There's some slightly technical sections. So we, we manage safety very, very carefully. But but also just from a storytelling point of view, um, we believe there's, you know, a lot a lot is in the facts, but is a lot is in the way a story is told and the emotion that comes through in a story. And that's the way we like to run our trips is that I think if there's sort of one word that is as kept coming through feedback we get is that it's it's life-changing and it's wonderful feedback to get but but those are the sort of experience and moments we're trying to create along the way not just walking from a to b but creating these very very special moments and memories with your family and friends well i've always found that the wild coast has always been a little bit of an untapped part of south africa it doesn't feel like it's been uh, as explored by uh, tourists and locals alike are you finding this has become a very popular uh, trail for people to do something that people have really enjoyed doing Every year, we, we, we're getting more and more requests, and we're in a very uh, fortunate situation at the moment to be you know, pretty fully booked for the year and, 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 and into next year. So I think a lot has changed since COVID. I think a lot of businesses can uh, sort of echo my sentiments where people are thinking differently, and, and there's definitely been a shift in tourism. People are seeing luxury in a different light, where luxury maybe in the past was, was a fancy hotel room and feather pillows. Luxury is almost turned towards sort of having things to yourself and exclusivity and fresh air and yeah. silence and those sort of things. So people have really migrated towards those things in life. And we've been very lucky that that's, that's the area we've been in in tourism. So, yes, you're right. Um, the Wild Coast was an area where not a lot of people came to, firstly, from a logistical point of view, but also just from a knowledge point of view. Our, our, our government in the past didn't want people going there. And now that it's opened up, it's it's just wonderful to see that, you know, an area that has a massive, massive unemployment problem, to see that ecotourism can be a way out for many of these people. And as people start coming in, as tourists start coming into the shores, they're seeing the wonders of this area and how amazing the people are. And I think it's a very exciting prospect for the Wild Coast and Ponderland. You also recently had the Pondo Trail Run. Is that a new addition to to some of the things that you're offering? Yeah, it is. We started off with the, with the Pond, our, our sort of adventure, the Pondo Trail, just as you know, one of the most celebrated hiking trails is the Otter Trail. We kind of did a case study of what the Otter Trail they've they've got it so right, those guys, and they started the Otter on the back of the Otter Trail. 
the otters today is a massive, massive international trail run. Um, so that's that's the whole um, objective of of launching this trail run is to, yes, we want a magnificent hiking trail and adventure trail, but we do also want to gain some international exposure. And um, we're hoping by the introduction of this trail run, there is no trail run like this. It's it's very, very different. There's lots of big river crossings and navigation at night and everything. So it's a wonderful trail run. And, and we really are hoping that the success that we can gain through this trail run really with our biggest objective is to preserve the coastline. So hopefully by gaining this international exposure, it can really help. Fantastic. Well, there you have it, Matt Boerter uh, of uh, Wild Child Africa talking about the Pondo Trail Run and also the Pondo Trail. And if you're interested in doing this, if this is sort of whet your appetite to get out there and visit the Wild Coast, we're going to put all the information up on the Santon Times Hour show notes on the website, santontimes.co.za, and uh, you can go have a look there. And I thank my guest for for joining me. And uh, it's the bottom of the hour. We're going to take a quick musical break and more of the Santon Times Hour right after this. The Santon Times Hour continues. You're listening to the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 with uh, Boris Way and Pink Soldiers. Uh, you might remember that tune uh, from that hit Korean Netflix series, Squid Game. And I think they've got some new ones coming out hopefully soon. It was a very good show. Taking you to the second half of the Santon Times Hour, my name is Alexander Leipner, and you know how this works. If there's anything that sounded great on the show and you didn't get all the details, you, you weren't quite sure who we spoke to, how we spoke to them, where you can find them, all the details are going to be up on the show notes on the website www.santontimes.ca today. And there's a detailed breakdown for you every week uh, on everything that's been discussed. Also, be sure to check out the social media accounts at Santon Times and uh, feel free to engage. Send through your comments, your thoughts, your tweets, your voice notes, whatever works for you. And also use the hashtag Santon Times Hour. Now, if you know me well, you know that one of the things I really enjoy is sleeping. And uh, not in a negative way. I think sometimes sleeping has a negative connotation to it. But I'm a big believer in the 20-minute power nap. So if you've got a long day and sort of halfway through the day you think, oh, you know what, like, let me just take a 20-minute power nap. And you wake up and you are ready to take on a whole new day. And it's like halfway through the day. So I thought, well, let's chat about sleep because it's such an important part of what we do. Um, it's sort of the negative space. You know, in, if you talk about design, you know, you talk about the things that you've You've put on a canvas and then all the space that isn't there that doesn't need to be filled. So sleep is as important as doing things. And here to talk to me about this is Vanessa Asensio. She's a health and wellness expert. And Vanessa, tell me a bit more about sleep. How important is it for us? So if I had to tell you that if you had to invest one thing in your life, it would be investing into good quality sleep. It's so, so important. Um, and it's something that's obviously neglected a lot. We always think we can make up sleep, which we definitely can't. But it's where all the rejuvenation, restoration um, happens in the body and in the brain specifically. So if you want to function as an optimal a human being and optimize your health, sleep is absolutely fundamental. And where people notice this the most is when you're younger, you can kind of get away with it. Um, and, you know, we put so much into kids sleeping a good amount of time. And as adults, we tend to, you know, not focus too much on this. But menopausal women, premenopausal women, and people that are experiencing a lot of anxiety, depression, just a sense of overwhelm and burnout specifically. Um, this is when you start looking at different uh, root causes of how you're feeling, which is very important. I practice functional medicine. So you always get to the bottom, to the root cause of anything. 
And that's when people start realizing, actually, I'm not getting good quality sleep. My body is not recuperating. It's not rejuvenating. My brain is not working optimally. I've got brain fog. I feel overwhelmed. I'm hungrier. I can't lose fat. Now, for any of those people who struggle with weight loss, fat loss happens during sleep. Growth hormone is produced during sleep. Cortisol production is reduced if good quality sleep happens. So if you wake up in the morning and you need a lot of caffeine and sugar to get going, your adrenals and your cortisol are a little bit uh, out, of, out of sync. Your hormonal balance and endocrine system only can function optimally with good quality sleep. Your mood, your ability to take on life, your zest for life, this only happens with good quality restorative sleep. So you know, the body's so interconnected. You look at how your brain's functioning, how your hormones are functioning. What is your body weight like? What is your energy like? What is your, what are your hunger levels? And most people will find that they, they suffer from burnout, brain fog, excessive uh, stomach fat, high cortisol levels, extreme anxiety, mood swings, hormonal imbalances, and it often links back to sleep. So that's a long-winded version of why sleep is everything. Listen, I have, to, I have to echo the first part that you said in the beginning there in terms of investing in your sleep. I mean, beginning of this year, I bought a brand new mattress and it wasn't cheap, but it was worth the investment. I got a mattress topper, good linen, good pillows. I mean, you spend more time sleeping than you probably spend in your car, yet so many people will cut corners when it comes to their bed, when it comes to their bedroom, and spend more money in their car, which they probably only spend two or three hours in a day, versus eight plus hours in your bed every single night. Now, Vanessa, what are some of the the, the fundamental basics? Because I know this is going to end up being a very long conversation. I mean, there's probably so much here to unpack. But to get mm-hmm. us going, at least, as an initial conversation, what are sort of the fundamental things that you need to get a good night's rest in terms of temperature, lighting, sort of quality of your surroundings in a bedroom? Okay, so the first thing is uh, you produce melatonin in the morning. Uh, A lot of people know melatonin as a sleep aid. Um, So you actually produce melatonin in the morning. So the first thing you should do is wake up and with no sunglasses on, look at the first morning sunrise or as soon as you can get outside, look at the sun directly. It then starts a cascade of endocrinal functions that start producing melatonin for later in the evening. The other thing we do is we look at artificial light when our melatonin is kicking in and we are about to rest. We're looking at blue lights, screens, TVs, you know, we've got flashing devices in our room, all kinds of things. This is artificial light. The minute the the, the brain and the eyes are exposed to artificial light, it means it's daytime. So you will not produce the hormones to get restorative, good quality sleep. So the first thing you do is you two to three hours before bed is to actually eliminate this artificial light. In South Africa, we're lucky that we've got load shedding in that hopefully (laughs) uh, some of us are (laughs) using candles or something in the evening to create that ambiance of, okay, it's time for the body to rest. Um, so that's the, the the one thing. And then excessive eating or stimulant intake in the evening is obviously going to affect your sleep. So alcohol is actually a stimulant. So for those people who use it to unwind, it actually is stimulant that then starts affecting your liver as well. And your liver, if anybody wakes up at two or three in the morning, sometimes one, it's a sign that your liver is overworked. So too much sugar, too much alcohol before bed. 
Um, remember your organs and specifically insulin needs to be low when you go to sleep. And, and if you are busy digesting an excessive amount of food and sugar, there is no way that any kind of rejuvenation is going to happen and proper rest if your body is spending an excessive amount of energy digesting a whole lot of food and sugar and getting rid of, you know, trying to lower your blood sugar levels, etc. A lot of the research shows that you need to sleep in a cool room. And then you also need to be able to have, you know, not like flashing lights in the room. So no decoders or, or things that flash because, or, you know, creating a dark room is very important. One of the things that I find for most people that works very, very well in my experience, and I urge people to research this themselves, is taking magnesium and ashwagandha before bed. Mm. This is a completely natural way to actually calm down the central nervous system. Uh, ashwagandha is an adaptogen, so it helps the body get into balance. It's very good to lower cortisol levels. And magnesium is the master mineral that calms the central nervous system down. So many people will know about Epsom salt baths. Um, so that's one option of getting magnesium in, but I don't feel like it's enough because you need to sit in there for 30 minutes. So I'm a big believer in taking magnesium and ashwagandha in combination to get good quality sleep. Magnesium works so, so, so well. Vanessa Asensio, health and wellness expert there talking about sleep. And I feel like this is such a massive topic that we actually didn't have a chance to begin with to try and get through all of this in the, in the 10 minutes that we had. So what we're going to do is I think we need to get you back, Vanessa, but I think some great insights and some great ways you can try and improve your sleep and promise uh, from me, we're going to get Vanessa back and we're going to chat a little bit more about how you can sleep better, especially now as uh, the temperatures drop. From Greater Santon to the rest of the world, this is the Santon Times Hour. All right, change of pace as we always do at this time of the hour. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, but there was a, a burger competition in uh, South Africa. They were looking for the best possible burger that somebody could make. It's called the BRM National Burger Challenge of 2023. And he had a chat to me about this challenge. And obviously the subsequent winner is Chef Martin Cobalt. He's the vice president of the World Chefs Association. And I'm also joined by the winner, Chef Zana Alvarado. We've had her on the show before. She's the chair lady of the South African Chefs Women in Culinary what department association. It's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. I mean, we're talking about food. It, it's a mouthful. But She's got a lot of other titles as well. If you've listened to the show before, we've had her on before, but I'm thrilled to have her on on this occasion. But before we chat to to Chef Zana, uh, Chef Martin, let's let's have a quick chat about this this burger challenge. I mean, you've come out from Austria to uh, to facilitate, to judge, to make a decision on this. Where did this all come about? How how are we judging the best burgers in South Africa? Well, it started off really about 14 years ago with the Global Pizza Challenge, which I started then, and about uh, yeah last year really. Our host event or host exhibition, uh, which is the Africa Big Seven and the Hotel Hospitality Show, they offered me an, uh, an extra space on the on the exhibition stand. You know, with you know, pandemic, Corona, you know, it was a bit the slow uptake on the exhibition stand from from the buying customers. So they had some extra space to fill up the hall, and they said, "Can you come up with another competition?" So last year we came up with uh, sort of a sister competition of the Global Pizza Challenge, we said, let's try to do a national burger challenge. So we had it last year in June, um, the first time. Uh, we had over just, over just over 80 entries. And this year, we were really bunting nicely, and we had over 200 entries. 
And from there, we chose 28 finalists, and Chef Sana was one of them. Well, she outdid herself and uh, produced a fantastic burger, uh, which the judges found it was fantastic, and there she is as a winner. Well, that's fantastic news. And, I mean, to, just to, to get some context on this burger, I mean, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of people listening right now who says, my Uncle Marvin, he makes the best burgers uh, this part of uh, the equator, which is quite different to what you're judging. I'm assuming this burger has to be made from scratch, how far do you go? Do you have to bake your own buns? Do you have to grind your own meat? Or, or do you kind of uh, jump on board on the assembly line? Well, we, we, we encourage that, that they do everything from scratch. Uh, so the people basically, when we do the call for entries, which was about six weeks ago, there's the rules and regulations on our website, which is the nationalburgerchallenge.com. They enter their recipe online. Uh, so there's a whole rules and regulations where they need to go through and everything. But, you know, they only got 45 minutes. Once they chosen to go to the final, they, they, they got 45 minutes to assemble four identical burgers, which one of those burgers goes to the judges and the other three burgers then get cut up and tasters get given out to the audience, which we have on the stand during the final. We had a couple of entries. They they attempted to 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 make their own dough and bake their own burger buns. And we've got all the facilities there. We've got the ovens, the big convection ovens, and everything there. But there's so many ways and means of getting around that. So we encourage, of course, to do as much as possible from scratch. Uh, the burger patties. So most of them bringing in like the, the the ingredients and mixing and everything at the final. So we don't want anybody just to come in with a ready made burger patty and ready made burger bun and just literally assembles after ten minutes and puts his hand up and say. I'm ready to be judged. We don't want that. So, you know, we want them to use the 45 minutes and make the best out of it. And uh, so I would say about 90% of the 28 finalists did exactly that. Uh, and it might, what made it so much so much more better. And, you know, we are looking for, for you know, credibility. Our uh, credibility is uh, uh, innovation, you know, and really, really something different. We don't want just a normal chicken cheeseburger, which obviously would not go into the final anyway. We had those type of entries as well, but we choose the the, the panel of judges from the South African Chess Association when they choose the 28 out of the, out of the 200. They're looking at exactly that. You know, we're looking at innovation, creativity, and yeah, and uh, Chef Sanas really stood out with her Pakistani-influenced burger patty. Uh, so it was very, very nice. Well, let, let's go into that. Uh, Zana, tell us about your, your burger. I believe it's called the is it the Shahi Burger? Is that how it's pronounced? I mean, we're doing very well with pronunciations in this segment. You do, you're on point with the pronunciation, Alex. The Shahi Burger. So in the Pakistani language, which is Urdu, something that is Shahi is something that is pretty much fit for a king. So I had that in mind when I was creating this burger. And I wanted to bring in, you know, influences of Pushtun culture, as well as Indo-Iranian flavors. These are flavors that I really enjoy in my food. And I love cooking with these spices and blending these spices. I thought it might be quite fun to actually create a burger that was non-traditional, brought in a lot of exotic flavors, a lot of exotic ingredients, and some really lovely texture into it. So that's exactly what I did. Okay, and then what what does the rest of the burger consist of? So obviously that's the patty. Then do you do the usual sort of lettuce, gherkins, tomatoes, or did you do something completely different? I did something completely different. So I made my bun from scratch, and it was a milk and fennel bun. Very soft, very uh, flavorful. The fennel came through quite lovely. And the texture of the bun, it has a slight sweetness to it, which really worked well with the spices in the burger. Um, and the 
burger was very rich in in flavor and texture so the the softness of the sweet bun really worked with it i had frilly lettuce it has a slight bitterness to it that worked uh, just complementary to the rest of the flavors and then i left out the usual stuff like the gherkins and tomatoes and what i did instead was i created a mint and yogurt and chili sauce which uh, was drizzled over the burger some melted cheddar white cheddar is what i used on there a really lovely coat of cheese over the top because every burger still has to have cheese it's just one of those beautiful components in a well put together burger i topped that with some really um simple pickled onions but i pickled them on the spot on site with some onion and uh some salt and a little bit of red chili and then i went totally over out of the out of the burger box shall i say and i used samosa pastry cut them really thin into thin shards of samosa pastry, which I then deep fried. So lovely crisp texture coming through and then tossed that with a combination of sumac Himalayan black salt and uh, Indian chaat masala, which comes from a very specific um, Indian street food called Pani Puri. And I topped that with uh, the spice mix and it created a whole different dimension of flavor. What I was really looking for here was that in every bite, there was just layers of flavor coming through. That's that's essentially what I wanted. Amazing. Well, you can now claim the title of having the uh, the best burger in in South Africa. But what what else do you do with this now? I mean, are you able to now sort of sell this uh, recipe to somebody? Are you uh, do you come in as a burger consultant to places? Uh, where to from here? <laughs> Well, it's it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, first of all, I was gobsmacked uh, when I won. Um, there were some amazing chefs on on the in the contestant lineup, so I think it could have gone either way. I'm just really glad that the the judges like my flavors. I've had my social media has literally blew up over the last 24 hours um, with all sorts of suggestions coming through. People wanting me to make and retail the patties so they can purchase it and take it home. Lots of people asking me to retail and sell the burger because they want to taste it. Um, I've had a few, uh, you know, well-established people contact me to say, let's do a collab over it. So it's, uh, wow, I, my head is spinning right now, Alex. And I'm trying to kind of let, let it all sink in and take it in. I probably will want to go into some sort of activation where people can actually purchase the burger and taste the winning flavors. I think that will be very um, exciting to kind of just open it up to a wider audience and uh, to the foodies out there that want to try something different. And who knows, maybe I will. Uh, you know, once I give some more thought to it, by the end of the week, I should have a better idea with what I'm doing. But in the meantime, uh, you know, people can reach out to me on my social media and keep in touch with me via my Facebook, Instagram and TikTok to find out what I'm doing with this burger. I think that the strongest call so far has been the large amount of DMs or direct messages I've received going, where can I get my hands on one? I want to eat this. I want to taste this. Make it for me. So I think we'll be leaning very strongly in that direction. I agree with that. And I think that's a really good idea. And I'm also going to be joining that queue uh, to go and try this burger. Chef Zana Alvarado, uh, amongst the many other titles that she has, she's now the BRM National Burger Challenge winner of 2023 with her Shahi Burger. And uh, Chef Martin Cobalt, Vice President of the World Chefs Association, I thank you for making time to be on the Santon Times Hour. We're going to take a quick break, a bit of music, and then we'll be back right after this. Follow the Santon Times on social media. At Santon Times. This is the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and also available on all good podcast pat- platforms. And that was uh, Diplo and Sonny Federa with Turn Back 
time. As we reach the last 100 meters of uh, this week's hour, I'm thrilled to be joined by Brent Hutchison. He's the director of Care for Education. And Brett, uh, I got to see you uh, towards the end of last year. Lego released some interesting data, some interesting research around play and uh, the interaction between kids and parents. And Brett, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it's become quite a sad reality where we seem to have screen agers and uh, and toddlers with uh, uh, iPads running around. Uh, and the whole family interaction has kind of just fallen by the wayside. Yeah, it is an unfortunate trend. I think that a lot of people are looking for uh, or trying to find the reason for that. You know, technology is a wonderful thing and it's important and it's going to be with us for a long time. And a lot of people are trying to find out whether technology is, is the, the main cause for that or if it's a change in attitude or behavior in society. So I think people are looking at lots of different areas. And I think I think the reality is that it, it manifests itself because of lots of those things. So technology does have a, a role to play, but it's not the role that a lot of people think. So when we're talking about screen ages and people that are spending a lot of time on screen, it may not necessarily be the screen time that's causing the problem. When we look at how play is used around the world to to change that and to uh, almost remediate that, what we're finding is that it's much more around children being able to be active and moving outside what we call their range of vision or doing very gross motor movements outside of the space that technology uses. Technology uses a very small space. So if you think about the size of a cell phone or the size of a tablet, that's a very small area, right, around the size of an A4 piece of paper. And if we only concentrate on that, it creates learning difficulties and problems and social problems. So what we have to do is put toys or manipulatives in the hands of children and get them to work outside of that space. So counteract that inward focus. And if we counteract that, we have the potential to change it. So it's much more around using a playful approach to balancing the screen time that children are, are, are using at the moment. Yeah. I think I thought it was quite fascinating because, you know, I often talk to people with about, about AI and I often get asked about AI and the impacts of these things. And it's it's kind of like we're seeing what the potential of AI could do in what we've gone through in terms of technology with cell phones and screens, where we kind of unleashed it on the earth, everyone started doing whatever they wanted to, and it's kind of almost like 20 or 30 years into this, that we're going, mm, yeah, there's some limitations to all of this, and there's some downsides to having all of this, and an AI will almost sort of do the same thing, but in a much shorter period of time, and suddenly we'll be finding ourselves dealing with a whole bunch of other things. But that's not really why we're here to, to chat about this, but I think it's just interesting to see that yeah. it's almost the, the traditional old-school you might want to co- coin it that way of 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 learning and and dealing with things that we need to survive, like peripheral vision, like um, mm. your eye-hand coordination that you won't necessarily yeah. get from a gaming unit uh, in front of a TV, uh, and also the creativity and the and the engineering that comes with you know something like Lego, for example. Uh, that's those are things that you will only learn through physical play as opposed to something that's digital. Yeah, hundred percent. So the physical play is an, a critical part. But as you said, you mentioned some very important terms, which a lot of people don't understand, is that if you build a linear tower straight up in front of you, it doesn't have that much benefit because you never, ever move outside your range of vision. You don't cross the midline and you don't go to bilateral integration. So what happens is the vestibular system, which is the balance system that's built into our ear, is not invoked because we're not moving enough to the left or enough to the right. So what happens is we don't develop all the important perceptual 
areas that we need to develop in. So young children are sitting dead still. If you look at their focus when they're looking at a screen, they're focusing on the midline, they're focusing on a very small space. So you got it 100% right. If we don't put manipulatives into their hands like Lego and other construction toys, we don't force them to cross that midline. We don't force them into the area where Edward de Bono told us that lateral thinking and problem solving will take place. So he said to us, that will only happen if you work outside the box. And the box that he was talking about is like a almost, it's almost like a space in front of you. You can almost look at it like a 30 centimeter by 30 centimeter by 30 centimeter. He says that if you don't work outside of that box, you won't develop problem solving and lateral thinking abilities. So yes, yeah, spot on, 100% right. We just got to counteract technology, which is obviously also a good tool, but but not something you want to spend your your whole day on. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember any great uh, sort of story that started with, uh, you know, remember that one time when we uh, shared a, a <laughs> smartphone together, uh, Johnny. Uh, so w- what can parents do to to kind of counteract this i mean i'm sure there's a lot of parents who are going listen it's a it's a it's a desperate solution to to you know the everyday but we realize that you know putting our kids in front of a computer or a cell phone or a, a tablet is is not the way to bond i mean we're not going to be having any sort of lifelong family memories around the ipad or whatever so 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 what do parents do like what is a what are some simple things that that people could implement to to, to sort of counteract that yeah it's, it's very difficult you know it's become a, a it's become an incredibly good babysitting tool you know the reality is that the child is uh, moving around less is a bit quieter and so this technology has replaced us and uh, the difficulty is that it's actually hard work you know it's hard work to do what you're suggesting so the parents have to realize that there are advantages to that though so what happens is the social bond that needs to be created will get stronger if you put that effort in and it definitely won't get stronger if you don't so a lot of people say well are there negative results? I, I believe there are negative results. And what are the positive results? Well, if you put the effort in, there's a very good chance that you will strengthen your child's learning. So what happens is children are born curious. They want to know about things. They want to experiment. They want to touch things. We all know that, right? You only have to watch a young child. And um, so children go out and do that. And they, they're trying to make sense of their world. So as they're touching and playing, that's where they whether you're two years old or whether you're five years old, you're still trying to make sense of your world. You're touching, feeling, physically interacting with the world around you. And they explore and they imagine and they play all of these games. And at some stage, they kind of invite their parents into that world. They, they almost experiment by saying to their parents, can I show you what I've done? Or can I show you what I've just found out? And quite often the parents don't have time and they don't get involved. But if a parent does just take the time to get down onto the floor, go and have a look at what the child's built. It could be a Lego construction. It could be anything, right? Just take the time. What happens is they, the children then develop language skills as they share their discoveries or talk about their feelings, how they felt while they were doing it. And then this gives value to that story and and if and it encourages that behavior so if the parents go oh wow that's fantastic why did you do this why you know, the minute the parent shows any interest in that even if it's just for 5 minutes it supports that process of discovery and so children go oh wow i like this when my parents support me i want to continue learning like this i'm going to continue to drive my own learning process so that 5 minutes of engagement that we require 
can make a huge difference in the development of the child. Yeah, fantastic, man. And I think it's such valuable insights. And uh, as I say, it maybe just needs that reality check for some people to say, well, you know what, maybe we need to do more of that and less of uh, screen time. And of course, we all know that your eyes go square if you spend too much time in front of a TV or a computer. So Brent Hutchison, thank you so much, Director at uh, Care for Education. Thanks for making the time uh, to be on the Santon Times Hour. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. And that's it for the Santon Times Hour on Mix 93.8 and is always available as a podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. If you want to get in touch, you can email editor at santontimes.ca.za or reach out on social media at Santon Times and also visit the website www.santontimes.ca.za and feel free to send through your questions, your comments, your thoughts, your feedback, your input into the content. All of that is very much welcome. Thank you to all my guests who made uh, time to be on the show this week as well as Vincenzo our trusty Italian behind the uh, mixing desk. Thank you for everything you do every single week. And also the team at the Santon Times, as well as everyone at Mix 93.8. And of course, you, the listeners, thank you for listening every single week. And let's connect again next week. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the Santon Times Hour. And if you enjoyed it, be sure to share it. 